Hi everyone and welcome to the Panama podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to be with you all and uh, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the show today. Um, uh, my friend who I've got to know on Twitter, um, Matt Nightingale. Welcome to the show. Thank you, James. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really... It's a privilege to have you on here. I've uh, been following your work on Twitter for quite a while, interact with you a few times as well. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you on. So um, just tell us a bit of like who you are, what you what you do and about your work. Yeah. So I live in Santa Rosa, California, which is about an hour north of San Francisco. And it's Sonoma County. It's beautiful wine country here um, when we're not being ravaged by fires, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I am, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but probably people know me most um, from the work I do around spirituality and sexuality. Um, I was for 20 years uh, an evangelical worship pastor in an, in a, you know, it was a small Christian denomination here in the United States called the Evangelical Covenant Church. And I was also married for 23 years to a woman. That's important. <laughs> and I have uh, four children who are mostly grown, uh, twins who are 19, uh, and then a 22-year-old son who's married and a 25-year-old son who's married. And in 2016, I came out of the closet publicly as a gay man and since then, um, ha I've had some pretty cool opportunities. My former wife and I did a TED Talk about our journey, um, kind of the, the change that, that happened in our theology and our understanding of God and sexuality, um, and then uh, how, that, how that changed our relationship um, and how we tried to approach that from a place of gratitude for all that had happened uh, and hope for the future. And I think because of that TED Talk, um, I've had an opportunity to do a lot of work with other gay men, mostly who find themselves in what I call mixed orientation marriage, um, usually to a straight woman, and trying to kind of figure out what that means for them. Should they stay? Should they not? And, and how to navigate those decisions and those relationships. Um, and then I'm also... Uh, a pastor of a progressive American Baptist church here in Marin County, California. And I'm the co-pastor along with my best friend of 20 years, Tony Gapistone. And that's quite an adventure uh, to be co-pastoring this quirky little evangelical-ish church, um, especially during a pandemic. But yeah, I have a lot to be grateful for. And I love this work that I feel so called to. So it's real real privilege to be here with you yeah yeah and it sounds like you've been on um you know quite a journey um and um and the well that work you do is really mm -hmm. really important as well because yeah there must be a lot of a lot of people in that position the position that you were in in a mm -hmm. sense of, of your orientation not fitting with your not fitting with your reality, you know, like right. you know, being, being, uh, being gay, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, in a, in a marriage woman, for example, that's, yeah, that's, it's, that's, that's a very kind of unique situation. And then we need people speaking into that. 
Yeah. It, and you'd be surprised how many people there are, right? It, it's a, it's becoming, I think, more and more um, uh, common. I, I don't know if it's more common now, but I just think it's it's being exposed. It's it's being talked about, you know, because we are coming into, I, I guess, more open and affirming times. I'd like to think so, anyway. And so I don't. I, I suspect there have been marriages like this forever, but but we're able now with some more freedom to talk about it and to to be honest about about it. And they're just, I mean, I can't tell you the number in the last four and a half years, how many, like literally hundreds of people have, I, I've, you know, been introduced to them and, and had at least a, a, a small opportunity to speak into their lives and to connect with them. So it's, it's amazing how many, how many of us are out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was, as you were kind of, so what was your journey like um, into kind of discovering or acknowledging your sexuality and then actually being able to come to a place of being able to have a conversation with your, your then wife mm-hmm. about it and indeed your children as well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been coming out for a very long time to a lot of people. Um, yeah, for me, I, I knew I was gay when I was a child. Um, I was 10 years old when I, when I kind of, I, I guess I understood what was so different about me, right? And a lot of gay men will tell you that we knew from a very, very young age that that we were different from the other boys in our lives. But a lot of times it takes people longer to kind of put put a name to that difference, right? And I was growing up in kind of fundamentalist Christianity in northern Indiana in the early 1980s. And mm. it just was not a safe space to have these kinds of conversations. And so even though at 10 years old, I kind of like understood homosexual, I think was the word that I heard on the playground one day at my Christian school, not in a very nice way. Right. But I heard that word and I went, Oh, that's what it is. Right. So I, you know, from a very young age knew why I was different, but I, the only messaging that I had ever heard in my whole life up to that point about gay people, homosexual people, I would have said at the time was that we are disordered, broken, sinful, perverts, you know, sick in the head. And I don't know, like, I think there was some overt language about that, but I think in general, it just was kind of the culture, right? It was, it was the general culture in the early 1980s, but then specifically in my fundamentalist world in Northern Indiana, it was like absolutely the culture, like gay people were just not a thing and certainly not healthy, uh, faithful Christian gay people. That just wasn't like, I couldn't even think about that, you know? And so for me, I just, I hid, I made a decision at 10 years old to hide this for the rest of my life and somehow live as a straight person because that's really the only way I thought I could be faithful to God. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't like I was trying to be deceitful. Even when I got married, I I don't look back at that time and it wasn't like I was, ha ha ha, I will pull the wool over everyone's eyes. It was more for me anyway, like I want to be faithful to God. I want to do the right thing. I want to be a healthy, good Christian, you know? And so that's kind of why I stayed in the closet as long as I did. It was out of this sincere desire to just be a good person and to do the right thing, you know? And I, 
had always wanted children. I had always wanted a life of ministry. I felt that those things were good and important things. And so that's what I pursued. Yeah. So that's kind of how it all started anyway. Yeah. And when did it get to that point that, you know, that you knew you had to, Mm. how, what was it like to experience having to make that kind of admission to yourself that you needed to, you needed to kind of end your marriage because, because, and come out, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, there were, it it happened in stages over a very long period of time. Um, Mm. And I don't know. It's weird because sometimes I am sad that it took so long, you know, sad that, you know, I I was 44 when I finally came out publicly and made the decision to end my marriage. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a challenging time in one's life to like start from scratch. It really is. So sometimes I look back and go, oh man, I wish I had done this or come out earlier as a young man and had my whole life ahead of me to live in this authentic way. And at, you know, at the same time, I'm grateful, so grateful for, for the life that I had and the beautiful things in my life now, as a result of that, I have these four precious children. I have this, this, a good and, and respectful relationship with an amazing woman. Um, so I'm grateful for all of that. I first kind of came out in 2002 so this is, you know, 18 years ago now. Um, I was uh, a full-time worship pastor at my first like full-time ministry job here in California in a large Bay Area church. I had really kind of like arrived in some ways when it comes to like my my ministry career. And I had a wife of like eight years at the time, and I had four children. <laughs> we were very productive, you know, I had two little boys and and then these twins and they were about six months old when all of this went down. And for me, it wasn't like, I never got caught. I never, it wasn't like a big reveal, but it was more like, I just was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with feeling like I was living two lives. You know, I, I was like this husband, pastor, family man, on the outside. And those things were real and true in many ways. But then I knew I had this big secret on the inside. And at the time in 2002, I was very convinced still that this was a sinful and broken thing. My theology had not grown very far when it comes to sexuality. So I still thought I was like a broken, defective person. And so I I like deeply believed that if this was true, that if I indeed was a broken and sinful person and that God was who I thought God was, that I could be healed of this. And so, you know, it took a while, but I, I really worked up my courage and I, I came out to my wife. I came out to ministry leaders in my life. Um, and, and instead of coming out to come out, I came out to get healed and I asked for help and I, and I, spent then the next several years in like concerted efforts to change my sexuality uh, and to fix what I thought was broken. So that was my first coming out. And it was, it was, I mean, I look back on it now as, as being um, like misguided, but at the time it felt so like righteous. It felt so good to, to tell the truth as I understood it to important people in my life to ask for help and to receive that, what I believed was help at the time. 
like that felt really good. Does that make sense? Like I was really pursuing health and wellness as far as I understood health and wellness. So that was the first, that was the first coming out back in 2002. Right. Yeah. So, wow, that's, that's a long time ago. It was, yeah. So a lot between then and now, too, obviously. Oh, yeah, because I, cause I, cause there was something that happened in 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's is that when you decided to end your marriage mm-hmm. at that point. So, between, so I guess between that, between the time you first kind of come out mm-hmm. and then um, when, when your marriage ended, you were, yeah. your wife was aware of your, your sexuality then. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. So I've never heard of that before. Like that's that's really actually quite cool. Um Yeah, we but, had like thirteen or fourteen years after that big coming out, right? Where we together were kind of like trying to fight this thing because it's we again, we both thought at the time this is this is a broken, sinful thing. And so right. we're, gonna, we're gonna do the right thing and like fight it together. And so there was a lot of like optimism and hope, certainly in those early years, because we were like together we can do this where you know god is with us and we've got the support of our like some leadership in our church community was like in the know and helping and i was going to therapy and we were doing couples counseling and you know there was even a short time in there where i was like doing sex addiction therapy in 12-step groups because I, you know i i thought that this was just kind of like a i don't know an addiction maybe or something that i could somehow surrender you know yeah um so at the time, it, it again, it felt good. And we I was so very invested in my family, in my ministry, in my relationship to my wife, even. Um, like some I like I said, I meet hundreds of of people like me, but in so many of those stories, I hear these horror stories, like, oh, it was just a nightmare. My, you know, whatever, these these awful, awful stories. But truthfully, from my perspective in the marriage for all those years. Yes, it was hard, and yes, I felt divided, and yes, I knew that there was something deeply not not compatible. Mm. And also, oh, I loved my wife and my kids and the life that we built together. You know, we. I mean, I think back sometimes now with some grief, to be honest, because those Christmases and those family vacations and those times up on the church stage leading worship with my family, those are precious memories to me, and. And I, I sometimes tell people like, that's why I stayed so long. That's why she and I together tried to make this work for so, so long, because what we had built was precious and good. And so yeah. it's complicated, you know, it's really complicated. Yeah. It, yeah. That's right. It sounds, it sounds like that because, and that's why I kind of said it was, it sounded, sounding, I, I had a positive reaction to it because mm-hmm. it, it sounded like it wasn't this kind of burdensome thing that you were carrying on your own, that it was that, that you were walking through it together. Now, you know, um, and your wife sounds amazing you know, from what you're saying um, as well. Um, yeah, she really is. Um, and just to, um, sorry, your ex-wife, um, but to, um, yeah, to walk through that together and work together, even if, even if the kind of perspective that you, the theology behind that wasn't, maybe wasn't, you know, healthy mm-hmm. um, to still walk through that together and it to be a positive experience, even if, even, even if a difficult one was, is, is a good thing, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. And like, I tell, I tell men who, 
who find me and who come to me for advice or whatever to work with me in this way. Like, <laughs> I wish sometimes that I could say, it was all bad, and then I made this decision, and now it's all good, right? I wish sometimes that life was that black and white, but it's just not. And and as I look back on my choices, even the decision in 2016 to come out publicly, leave my marriage, leave my my non-affirming denomination, like it, it's it's good and bad, and and happy and sad. And I can't tell you how how free and joyful and good and peaceful it is to be living authentically on this side of the closet door. Um, and also there's grief and also there's pain and loss, you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's truly both. And I tell people like I, that there is no magic decision that you can make. That's going to make everything good. You know, every decision involves joy and loss, you know, and, and that's not, a popular thing, but it's just a true thing. And I, I have given up so much to, to be authentic and to live authentically that I refuse to, to not tell the truth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely necessary, important to always tell the truth and the truth can be discomforting a lot of the time. Yeah. And we don't, and we, like I said before in other episodes, we, we've been indoctrinated into thinking that it, that discomfort is is bad, and mm. you know, that pain is bad, and that we shouldn't, uh, you know, that we should just avoid dealing with things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what capitalism, evangelicalism, kind of mm. tells us to do, and encourages us to do, um, and that's not healthy, mm. you know. Uh, in the end, in the end, you have to. In the end, the kind of, I suppose it's that phrase, the truth catches up with you, that mm. ultimately you have to face the truth and to process it and deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I, it takes a lot of courage for somebody to come out. Um, and I always, I'm always um, have great admiration for the courage of people who choose to come out, anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so to do that um, and to do it, in the way that you did, like not just recently, but um, you know, back in two thousand and two, yeah, um, that takes a lot of courage. So, yeah, I have a lot of respect for you for that. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I think back to that coming out, and and I, I, I it did take a lot of courage. It, I was terrified um, when I was trying to make that decision, but I just had this deep sense of, like, I knew deep in my bones that that to tell the truth. And let the chips fall where they may, like, would at least be, uh, I don't know, that I would find some freedom in that. You know, there, there, come, mm-hmm. there comes a point where when you're no longer hiding something so, so uh, intrinsic to your identity, it's a, it's a sense of relief like, like I can't really describe, you know, because mm. for so long I had been holding – so much inside and trying to keep it hidden from the whole world, even those closest to me, you know? So yeah, it, it, yes, it's scary and hard. And the relief on the other side is, is powerful, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It must be when you finally admit the truth mm-hmm. about something and you finally come clean about it or you, find, um, you know, you just like, and it is a release. It, it is. Um, it's, yeah, when yeah, I've had to. I've been on my own kind of journey the last few years, and had to 
own some difficult difficult truths as well mm-hmm. about myself and and how I feel about things that happened to me in the past and and what I believe as well and, mm-hmm. and so it, but when you finally just admit okay I'm I'm not this anymore or I don't believe this anymore or this person hurt me or this is who I am when you've been carrying it around and not been able to share it it's it it is a big relief yeah. it is it is a weight off um because nobody should have to carry that kind of thing around with them yeah sometimes i think back to the 10 year old who who decided to carry that secret and i just think oh you poor thing <laughs> like no 10 year old should be carrying around a life defining secret you know and i know mm-hmm. that this happens all the time right i'm not special or unique but but oh the, it, it's a heavy burden it really yeah. is. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine what it's like to carry around something like that. Mm. Um, something as weighty as that because it's, yeah. because, because it's, it's because your sexuality is a fundamental part of your identity yeah. and to not be able to talk about that with anyone, mm-hmm. uh, and carry that by yourself and to hear as well around you, people who are being so cruel about, <laughs> about, about people, about LGBTQ community mm-hmm. is, I can't even imagine, you know, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so, I think about the, like, it's funny. A lot of times men in my situation, when we do come out in middle age or whenever, there's a kind of second adolescence that happens because most of us didn't get our first one. We didn't get an authentic adolescence at all, you know? And so like mm-hmm. even the simplest things, this might sound silly, but like to be able to talk to another man and say, oh my gosh, you know, whoever, Chris Evans is so hot, you know, <laughs> and it sounds so like childish, but to have the freedom to acknowledge aloud to another human being that you feel an attraction or that you find someone attractive is like, it, it's, um, it's so basic. And so many people are doing that at 16 years old with their buddies, you know, <laughs> but to, so to like yeah. find that freedom to say it out loud is like, wow, I didn't know how, how much I had been keeping inside for all these years. Yeah, absolutely. That I resonate, I resonate myself because of purity culture does this, yes. does this to people as well, like straight people. Mm-hmm. Like I still struggle to say that I find women attractive when I'm in, well, yeah, if I'm because I feel like is this being, is this being misogynistic or right. patriarchal or you know I don't yeah. want to respect women. I I do respect women. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to acknowledge that, that they're attractive in a way that's yeah. complimentary to them. Like mm-hmm. it's not kind of objectifying them, you know. So like so I'm yeah I've done a lot of work with coaches and therapy and all of that to kind of work this stuff out myself. Yeah. Because um, yeah. Um, and I can imagine it's it's even worse when it when you know when when you're growing up in kind of evangelical culture, which is homophobic, effectively. You know, right. so yeah, it's just like another um, layer, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just uh, yeah. So yeah, and by the way, <laughs> uh, I don't think gay men are the only men who find uh, Chris Chris Evans attractive. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I think he's like my man crush. He's a straight guy. <laughs> it's uh, funny. I just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I just was trying to think of the name of a celebrity that most people would say, yes, he's attractive. <laughs> oh yeah, I think most people would say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, it, it, 
Yeah, I know what you mean, though. They're kind of just the little things that you're able to do that you weren't able to do yes. before yes. that most yeah. people get to do when they're growing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have this memory of my best friend in high school uh, and I, and we, it was like a Friday night. I was spending the night at his house and we were watching Friday night videos, which was on NBC at the time. It was like before MTV or it was like, you know, the hour of music videos that you could watch if you didn't have MTV, you could tune into NBC and watch it. <laughs> and I remember one time, I don't know why this is so indelibly, you know, uh, written in my mind, but we were watching this this uh i think she was british samantha fox was this like pop artist at the time and oh, she was yeah, yeah, yeah. samantha fox and i, I yeah I'm, I'm in my 40s i remember yeah, yeah. she had some, a song called touch me it was very sexual right and we would have like probably gotten in trouble if his mom had found us watching this video but but i remember him as this straight you know guy just looking at her with this look on his face like and he said Oh, she's so hot. It hurts. <laughs> and I just could not relate to that, right? I, there's no way. I didn't I didn't feel that same attraction for her, but I remember try, feeling the need to act and feeling the need to go along with it and so, "Oh yeah, man, she's so hot," you know? <laughs> and and so many times like that in in all through high school, all through college, you know, having to kind of like pretend that I was drawn to the women that my friends would, would talk about, you know, and, and feeling like such an imposter, but, but feeling still the need to kind of try to fit into that, you know? And the truth is I was looking at my friend <laughs> and going like, Oh yes, you are hot, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't, I could never say that. I could never let on. I was never, you know, thankfully, I guess I was never like, like found out, you know, I don't think anyone ever suspected that I was gay, even though, you know, I would be having crushes on my guy friends and and trying to pretend like I was I was you know into girls. So yeah, it was it was kind of a a challenging life to be living. You know, feeling like you're always always hiding and always pretending and not being able to enjoy those just normal growing up experiences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, I mean. Yeah. So I mean how how has it how has it been since you came out publicly and I mean, mm-hmm. how did you deal because obviously it must have been like you saw you've talked a little bit about the grief and you know mm-hmm. the leaving your life behind and Yeah. Um so how's how's it been in terms of like processing that grief and also processing that those new experiences that you like the one you just mentioned? Yeah. Boy, uh it's it, it's been a it's been a journey for sure. I I think, you know, big decisions are, are always hard because you just have no way of knowing truly what's on the other side of, of a big, scary decision, right? And so for years, as I kind of like evolved from 2002 to 2016 was quite a long journey of, of deconstructing kind of my my prior Christian faith mm. into something new. and And then also like deconstructing my understanding of sexuality and 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 faith and what was faithful to god right and and i was just never the kind of person who who would divorce somebody like i can't hurt a spider i don't want to step on a spider i don't want to hurt anybody and especially this in, incredible woman who who had given up so much over the years and who had been with me all those years even after finding out i was gay right that's a huge yeah that's a huge journey for her, such an incredible sacrifice and and decision to stay with me all those years. And so I feel like the longer I stayed, the harder it was 
to make the decision to leave, you know, and, and there's a million reasons not to leave a, a, a situation like that. I was, I was afraid of, of losing my career that I had invested nearly 20 years in. I was afraid of walking away from this marriage and hurting people that I dearly loved. I was afraid of what this would mean for my children. Um, and still somehow managed to find the courage to make that decision. Um, and it was hard. I mean, really, really, really hard. Um, but it was also very, very exciting in those early days. And, and I, I didn't come out quietly. I came out very publicly and loudly and all over social media. And my former wife and I, even before our TED talk, we made a video with an organization that was dedicated to uh, promoting inclusion within our former denomination. And so like within a week of the big coming out, we had a video where we were talking about, you know, our, our journey and, and why we were being so public because we want to help other people and we want to be a voice for inclusion. And so, you know, those early, those early days after the big coming out were very, very exciting. And I, I felt like, oh, this is what I've always wanted to do. And I'm finally able to speak freely. And, uh, and then, you know, in the early days of like getting on a dating app and I mean, it was a little like disorienting, but it was also so exciting. Like the, the butterflies of a first date, the, the excitement of thinking like I can actually do now what I've been dreaming about for decades. You know, I can see what it might be like to, to maybe fall in love, you know, <laughs> like in a way that feels true and authentic. Um, I was writing, I'm a songwriter too. And I, I, I started to write songs that, that had like he pronouns and that, <laughs> that was quite amazing. And I was, you know, singing them publicly in, in some places. And, so there was this this huge rush of like excitement and joy in addition to the the real challenges. I mean, I, I was alienating folks at the same time, people who had been in my life for years. And I was like looking back, I think I was a little much. I was probably quite quite a bit extra <laughs> in those in that first year, you know. I'm in a gay bar in San Francisco. Why don't I check in on Facebook and put a picture of me and all these cute boys? You know, it it was a lot. And and I look back now and go, Wow, Matt, that that was a lot, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. and I, I think I've become more moderate over over time. I mean, I've certainly settled down in lots of ways, um, and but but yeah, it was it was wild and sad and hard and exciting. Um, I think I, I don't know. I, I think now I've kind of settled. I, I had a lot to learn, like about singleness and about relationships and about. Uh, what do I want and, and what do I need and what do I deserve and, you know, all kinds of things. So it, it's been interesting because I feel like now I, I have a lot, you know, it's been four and a half years since the public coming out and, and I feel like I'm in a pretty healthy place now of like, uh, I don't know, be, being, being truly myself, being truly in a, in a relationship with God and being able to articulate my my theology, my understanding of God as best I can, helping other people, um, you know, but it, it's just been, it's been a wild, wild four and a half years. Uh, yeah. I, I have many, many stories I could tell, but it's just, it's been quite a, quite a journey. And I am, I'm so thankful to be here where I am today. So thankful. But, and and I feel like I, I wouldn't be here without all of those experiences along the way. Right. 
but um mm. yeah it's been it's been bad and and good wonderful and scary grief and joy all of those things yeah they're always tied together those things all of yeah you don't have one without the other i, mm. I find in mm-hmm. my experience uh, and i've had a lot of experience of, of grief mm. uh, myself and yeah there is there is always um a new beginning on the other side of grief, and uh, if we are just if we if if we're willing to do the work and push through grief mm-hmm. and actually allow ourselves to experience it, yeah. Um, because if we don't experience it, we if we just try and control it or suppress it, or then we won't be able to move forward and start something new. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's why it's always good to name it. And, mm-hmm. and that's what basically that's what you did when you when coming out publicly as the way the way you did was 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 you doing that in a sense of of you know choosing to be truthful yeah. and to experience what that would be like and everything that went with it you know so yeah I feel like that t- to me like has been the 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 best the biggest the most important takeaway of the whole story is like living truthfully. And I, and I want this truth telling and truth experiencing to be a part of every part of my life. Like it's really, really important to me to, you know, even in my church ministry now to tell the truth. I will no longer like state a theological belief that I don't hold. I won't. I won't say I believe something if I, if I don't truly, truly believe it, you know? And I think, you know, my sexuality was one secret I was keeping but but for many years in evangelicalism, I also was like, I, I was like, uh, how how to say it? I, I was sub- subscribing to the, like the the party platform when, when I didn't always believe all of those things were true, and so the freedom to stand up in my church now and say I, I don't I don't know that this is true, but I'm still going to live in this particular way. You know, I love the freedom to articulate the truth about myself, not only in my relationships and sexual orientation, but in my theological beliefs, all of it. I just think Jesus said the truth will set you free. And I think there's, there's real power in that real power. Yeah, there is, there is real power in that. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's really encouraging to, to hear that as well. And, you know, um, celebrate that freedom mm, yeah. you have now, and, and just like no, I'm, this is what I stand for. I'm not going to just toe the party line anymore. I'm going to be truthful, and that's 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 a great place to be mm-hmm. because there's no shame and no fear in that place. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's like, uh, and it, it's not easy, right? I don't want anyone to hear this and go like, oh, <laughs> if I tell the truth, my whole life will. Be, be easy no there's still incredible pain and grief and hardship and complications and it doesn't it doesn't insulate you from from tragedy or anything like that right but you but but i think i'm i'm able to 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 respond to all of these things in my life in a truthful and authentic way now and that uh it doesn't make it um easy but it, but it i don't know there's a there's a sense of peace deep peace even as I face really hard and sad things, right? But I, but I know I'm doing it truthfully, and I'm at least not hiding the reality of my situation, and that that is priceless. Absolutely, that's right. Um, it really is. 
So, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who are in similar situations than, than you were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you probably, I know you do a lot of work with people like that now. I mean, so what would, what would you want to say to somebody who's listening, who's maybe in a situation, a similar situation mm-hmm. than you were in and trying to figure their way out of it and, mm-hmm. and struggling and maybe struggling to find the courage to, to take that step. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, what I would say is, first of all, you're not alone because so many of us feel truly, truly alone. I remember thinking that I was the only person in the whole world <laughs> who was like me, you know, and uh, and I I often hear from from guys who will find me on Facebook Messenger or something and be like, oh, my gosh, I just saw your TED Talk and I thought I was the only one. You know, and so my first message always, always to anyone is like, you're not alone. You are not alone. There are literally thousands of us who have experienced or are are currently experiencing this, this situation, you know, unfortunately our heteronormative culture and, you know, it, it, it conspires to, um, to force people into and to reward dishonesty you know, in, in this regard. So you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there and, and you're not a bad person, right? So many people are like, Oh, I'm just the worst person in the world. Oh, I'm so awful. No, uh, you too are a victim of, um, of whatever purity culture, uh, uh, homophobic, uh, culture. Um, all of these norms that, that tell you that you're not, that you're not okay, that you're broken, that you're an anomaly, that you're somehow sick. That's just not true. You're a victim of that too. And there's hope for you and it's not going to be easy. And there are people who will walk with you, uh, whatever, whatever road you decide to walk down. Because I am not the kind of person who says you must leave your marriage. You must come out publicly. I, I don't, I don't pretend to, to, know what's best for you in your situation. I I know some men, it is admittedly a minority, but I know some gay men who continue on in their marriage and they are open with their wife and they are no longer living a lie, right? They have chosen to to tell the truth and they've chosen to stay in their situation. And you can do that. Like that's absolutely a, a possible option for you. You know, I'm not the kind of guy who says you have to do what I did. Um, I made my choice and I am living with the consequences. And so are all the people in my life. And that's the same for you, you know, and, and you, I believe I do because I've seen it. I believe that you can make the decision to leave your marriage and and you can find the support and strength you need to do that. And you can do it well. You can do it. You can do it in a healthy and good and loving way. Or, you can also choose to stay. And I believe that you can do that in a healthy way too. I, I think that you have to be super honest. And I, I think that all parties involved need to be aware of all the situations, you know, and make that that free choice to continue. Um, but I do think it's possible. Um, and you don't, you know, and again, there's community. There is community and there's support even for that decision because there are people out there who are choosing to make that decision. So I think those are like the 
the things that I would say if you're hearing this for the first time and going, oh my gosh, there's somebody else out there who's, who's lived through this. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, um, that's wonderful. That's really, that's really great. I'm really glad that you shared that. Um, I hope that anyone who's listening, who's struggling will, will hear that and be reassured and I know they're not alone, you know, cause that's really, really important. Yeah. So, um, so where can people find your work and connect with you? Um, first of all, I'd say like on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, those three, especially you can find me at Matt Nightingale, just my name. Um, I pride myself in being an early adapter, so I usually get my name <laughs> on the on the social medias. Um, and I would say uh, mattnightingale.com is my website, and that's kind of a a you know clearinghouse for the the TED Talk is there, sermons I've preached at my church are there, podcast episodes um, are there, uh, my blog is there. Um, there is uh, I'll name a couple organizations that I work with that I would love people to know about. Um, one is called the quest and that's my church in Novato, California, but really during COVID we're, we're everywhere. You can, um, worship with us any Sunday morning. We've got a lot of programming happening throughout the week and opportunities for involvement as well. And, uh, it's quest Novato and N-O-V-A-T-O.com quest Novato and on all the social medias as well. And then, um, I work with a wonderful organization. I would love to promote them. Um, they're called the Christian Closet, and it was founded, I think, about 12 years ago now by a really wonderful woman named Candice Zubernat. She's a, a Christian a marriage and family therapist, licensed therapist. Um, she's a lesbian. She's married to her wife, Crystal, and they have two children. And she founded this organization. Um, it's, it's a mental and spiritual health uh, services uh, and it's all on. It's all uh, internet based. It's all online, and it's all queer people. I think we're up to like maybe eight or nine people working now with the organization, uh, mental health specialists, um, psychiatrists, and therapists. We have an enneagram coach who works with people, and then I do spiritual direction with people, uh, individual clients. So we do all of those individual services. And then uh, a couple of us run different support groups as well. And sometimes it's especially helpful for Christians, self-identified Christians who are trying to figure out their path forward. Like we work with a lot of people who are, are working to reconcile their faith and sexuality issues. So I highly recommend the work of Candace Zubernat and the Christian closet. Um, it's it's great, and then I'll just say one more thing. <laughs> Thanks for letting me promote all this. Um, I work with a, non, a nonprofit called the Journey Center, um, and I do a twice monthly uh, like meetup for queer Christians, uh, and we do a spiritual practice, a contemplative spiritual practice, and we check in with each other, and we have great conversations. I usually have fifteen to twenty five people on the call. Uh, it's every other Monday night, and there's information about that on all of my social media, but love to welcome queer spiritual seekers into those spaces. Uh, it's a real joy for me. Fantastic. That's so wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm glad you shared all of that. That's really great. There's so many different resources, um, for people. Um, and I'm really glad that, um, 
you shared your story and um, the, and all the work that you're doing. So um, thank you for coming on and and sharing today. Yeah, I'm honored to do it. I'm grateful for any opportunity I have to share the story and to try to help people uh, get connected and, and get whatever help and support they need. So thanks very much for this. You're welcome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do connect with Matt. Um, one of those places that he talked about. And uh, yeah, take care, everyone. And uh, we'll talk again really soon.